the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 24. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Hi, Tammy. How are you? Good. I'm good. I am settling into this foggy, wet morning over here. It's kind of damp and feels like fall for sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Um, as opposed to the heat, right? Huge heat wave. Last Friday I was recording with you in here and you weren't, well, you were kind of in here with me, but (laughs) I'm in my husband's office and I did this whole new setup. I sent you a picture of, or I showed you Um, where I'm sitting on the floor and I'm on my meditation pillow and I'm looking out at this beautiful view and I have my tea. And so I've had this like nice cozy setup. And last Friday, it was 106 degrees um, where I live, which is really hot. Oh my, that is hot. That's hot. Yeah, that's just hot. (laughs) Wherever you are, if it's that hot, that's hot. Yeah. Uh, And so when I'm recording, I have to shut all the windows and the slider and for noise I was like, thought I was going to combust when I got off the pod, recording the pod with you last week. I was like, oh I felt God. like I was going to explode. So I open up the slider and I step out and there's completely like no wind. It's completely still. And I just felt like I was going to catch on fire. It was uh-huh. so hot. I mean, that's a kind of a dramatic exaggeration, but it just felt like I was going to combust. I felt overheated and just felt just too much. And then oh, I yeah. to, you know, run and go from there. And San Francisco was 106 when we went through San Francisco. Um, it was really hot. There were record-setting highs for... That's crazy. And we don't have God. air. No air. So this planet is, is, right. is about to combust, it feels like, right now. Yeah. What, uh, yeah, it gets that hot here in Austin, of course, in the summer, especially... In the heat in the in July and August, but uh, everyone has air conditioning everywhere. I mean, you you wouldn't step foot into any building that didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> right, it's everywhere. So yeah. you're prepared for it. But yeah, it's it's very uh, concerning. All of the hurricanes that are hitting, and I don't even I'm not even laughing. That's a nervous laugh. Um, the hurricanes and the fires, and there was an earthquake in Mexico. It's a little frightening. Yeah, Mother Earth is pissed off. Very. <laughs> She's like, what in the actual? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very. Uh, well, do you have anything interesting going on this week or things you've been doing or anything? Oh, I I have been trying to uh, work on things I want to work on. Mm-hmm. But I, well, I say that, I mean, everything we do, we want to do it or we wouldn't be doing it, right? Um, but I am, I did take a alteration job that has just turned into a nightmare for me. <laughs> 
so anyway, I'm writing myself a big fat sticky note that says no more wedding alterations ever. I'm going to remind say you. No, mm-hmm. just say no. <laughs> They're too stressful. And I'm not classically coacher trained. And, you know, so sometimes maybe I do take on more than I can chew, you know, and, um, uh, I mean, some things I have turned down when I, you know, if they involved like boning or a corset or something, I've just said, absolutely not. This one looked like something I could do, but, um, I'm still having, I'm still having trouble. So I, I'm keep, I keep, ha- she keeps coming over to try it on and I keep having to go back into the work and revisit it. <laughs> so is it, um, cause there's a lot of expectations with wedding attire, right? For the whole, for sure. For yeah. Wedding party. So this is a, this is not the bride. It's not the bride. Okay. It's a bridal, uh, bridesmaid, yeah. bridesmaid dress. But still pressure. Yeah. Cause you know. There seems to be like it just gets ratcheted up. Oh, it does. You know what I really wish? And this is a public service announcement. I really wish that more brides would just let their bridesmaids wear whatever they want. I wish I wish they would. I wish they would say, you know what? Here's the color palette. Go pick out a dress that fits you really well mm-hmm. and that you feel good in. As long as it matches the color, the colorway, and oh my God, that would be so much easier and everyone would be happy (laughs) and you wouldn't make seamstresses want to run into a busy street screaming. (laughs) Well, what, what is it about the, um, I have two things to say here. What is it about (laughs) making your bridesmaids all dress alike? I don't know, but I wish it would go away. I wish it would go away. It's, it's, you see it less actually. Now you often more, I more often, and I guess because I look at a lot of wedding photography because I do some wedding photography. So every once in a while I'll check in on Pinterest and see what other photographers are doing, but, um, it's going away. I mean, you see it less and less, but it's still a thing and I wish it would just go away. (laughs) Well, that was my second point is that you, so you are in this business, you, you are part of, um, you know, doing your, the wedding photography and doing this job like that you have, that you're, you're having, you're a little stuck on. It's, it's rife with a lot of expectation. And I imagine that can spill over into, you know, what they expect from you. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. There's an expectation of looking a certain way. There's an expectation of how the pictures are going to turn out. There's an expectation oh, of what the day will be. And then it, that's it, a lot of pressure. It matters not what your role is in in, a, in the, the wedding service industry. It is all pretty stressful. Yeah. And I have done, and I've laughed about this with friends. I have done, I have played almost every role in a wedding <laughs> that you could possibly like I have catered weddings. I have, I have, uh, I have helped the, the events, um, coordinator as I've been an events coordinating assistant, I guess you could say, where I've had to hover over the bride and make sure that, you know, everything was perfect in her world. I've photographed weddings. I've made wedding dresses. I've altered 
wedding dresses. I, I mean, I've done just about, mm -hmm. no, <laughs> I've not you. done, I've not done floral arrangement. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I've done almost everything in the wedding industry and it's actually, and I've always, and I've laughed about this too. It's one of those industries that doesn't matter what the economy looks like or what is happening on the planet. Like this wedding is supposed to happen in Florida. <laughs> this not the weekend that we have coming up right now, but next weekend. What? <laughs> yeah. And the bride, of course, is freaking out <laughs> because she is powerless. <laughs> Because the there weather. was a hurricane, yeah. you know, whenever you listen to it, just know there is a hurricane that's tracking right to Florida right now. Um, and, uh, and everyone is losing their minds, um, in this wedding party. That's like <laughs> so the, that's like the bride's worst <laughs> it, it, so, it, so all of this to say, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter if, you know, there are you know, weather disasters happening all over. It doesn't matter what, if, what the economy looks like, the wedding industry is still strong. So if you're, and it always will be. So if you're ever, you know, wondering, you know, I need a new career, look for something in the wedding industry. You'll always have work. <laughs> right. Uh, no, thank yeah. you, but thank you for that. <laughs> Public service announcement, and I worked well my, under stress. My you... anxiety could not handle it. I could not <laughs> handle that. No way. Yeah, no yeah. it way. is all stressful. But there's something about my personality that I can remain calm in a storm. Mm -hmm. I think it's from working in the restaurant industry for a long time, for year, you know, years and years too. I can maintain a certain modicum of calmness and chaos. And so I think I work well in the wedding industry, I guess. That but, would be night, my nightmare. But, but yeah. the stress is about to send me over the edge. So anyway, that's wow. my week. But there has been good things and I'll save those for the, for the toolbox items. Good. Good. Yeah. I've had a little wonky week too, but I'm I'm looking forward to our conversation today because I think that's going to really help reframe some things for me. So, okay, so, yeah. So should we should we share what we want to talk about? Yeah, today? let's just jump in. Yeah, yeah. Why don't um, let's see. Why don't you start? Okay, I will. <laughs> okay, you are putting me on the spot, but that's okay. Sorry. I think I'm prepared. Okay. So, so a couple of weeks ago, we we recorded an episode about our summers. We kind of did a summer recap and I'll, I'll speak for both of us. I mm -hmm. think we both decided that it was very hard, yeah. but we felt pretty good. Like if I could have high-fived you, I would, you know, I felt really good coming off the summer, even though it was hard, even though there was a lot of, of juggling and it felt pretty intense. Um, I still felt really good. And However, I was looking very much looking forward to the first week of school starting. And then that week came and I it felt so flat to me. I just could not get any sort of momentum. Um it was like all this space opened up and I didn't have um you know, I didn't have a deadline. I didn't have a, a pending project. And I felt so 
meh yeah. all week. And then <clears throat> I always seems like I, I find the thing I need to read at the right time. And there was this New York Times article um, that was published called um, – well, dang it. I don't have it pulled up right now. But it was basically called – the problem with balance or something like that. Um, but we'll link it. We'll link it in the show notes. We, I linked it to our, um, our unruffled podcast, Facebook group. Um, and they even quoted our boyfriend ritual, but the (laughs) but the article basically said that, you know, when you're in the zone, it feels like flow. Um, and it even can elevate your mood, which is fascinating to me because I was happy this summer, even though it was hard. I felt very satisfied. Um, and then the flip side of that, which is balance, does feel kind of mediocre. It feels sort of boring. Um, and it just really... Reading that made me reframe my whole thinking around the summer and and made me think about the, the topic of balance versus flow. Because we're always told, even though balance is elusive, it's what should be our goal. But yet, it doesn't make us happy. <laughs> It feels boring. Yeah. And yeah, so that's our topic. Yeah, the um, the article, I was talking about the article this morning with my husband, and I'd sent it to him because he, my husband's a really balanced guy. I think that's why I picked him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he has touted, you know, balance for years that, that you know, that is the answer to everything. He says it to our son. We, it's a big topic in our household. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it was like when you, so, so you, you posted that article, didn't have time to read it because I was not having any balance or flow <laughs> the week that I was having. But I was like, when you send things, I'm like, they're always a must read. Like you're not sending it just to like forward a hundred things you never do. It's just like, if you send I it, don't. I know it's for me. I know that you're like, Tammy needs to. So I love it. I love it when you send me things because I know that you've read it and you're like, yeah, this is spot on. Um, and so talking about that, I think what for me over the years, I, uh, I feel like I have to, I have to look at my creative life and my home life and my whole being has always tried to be balanced Mm-hmm. And we had this conversation and it made me stop. And I thought of several instances, which I will talk about throughout the show. I won't give it all away here, but I don't know that balance has always served me. I, mean, mm-hmm. I think by examining this and kind of pausing to look at when I'm my best Balance plays a role, but in a very different way than how I kind of stereotypically thought I had to have balance, you know, Mm -hmm. I I tried to balance my drinking for years, which I'm going to touch on. Um, but I don't know. It's, it flipped my switch. It flipped my thinking a little bit 
Because yeah, same. Af- after that first week, same thing, Sandra, happened over here. It just that first week, and maybe that's just a first week of school thing for every sure. person out there. It did fall flat. It did feel like um, I really had, I think, some expectations. And we know what happens when we have those. That, you know, they're usually not mad or we have some resentments or pre-resentments or, you know, but the the concept itself that I need to have a balanced life, I'm pondering. Yeah. I'm pondering that a little bit more because um, recently taking that class with Tiffany Hahn about flow has opened up my idea, you know, my eyes to it and thinking that flow is where I want to be at. Flow is kind of um, the sweet spot. But I think you can't have flow without a little bit of balance uh, around that too. So not to be too elusive here, but that's where I want to kind of go and dig into and kind of tackle today when we're talking about things like um, how, how we, uh, how we get into those states or how we balance, balance those things. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I feel like, I feel like for me, there, it's always been all or nothing, you know, it's kind of all or nothing for me and there's no balance in that. Right. Right. So, and so then I think, well, is that, is flow the same thing? Is flow just, um, how do I put this? Is flow just kind of willy nilly? I don't think it is. I think you have to have some kind of parameters around your flow and like your. Oh, for sure. As a matter of fact, so I did pull up the article and it's called the title. The actual title is not the one I made up, but it's maybe we all need a little less balance. And, um, they quote, uh, a doctor, Michael Joyner, a researcher at Mayo Clinic. And he said, you've got to be a minimalist to be a maximalist. If you want to be really good master and thoroughly enjoy one thing, you've got to say no to many others. So that is, yeah. So like that kind of reflects what you're saying. He, you know, you could, you can still enjoy a bit of balance in your life at the same time, you know, you're going all in for one thing and, uh, it feels intense. Um, but it, uh, will elevate your mood. <laughs> I like that. You have to be a minimalist to be a maximalist. Uh-huh. Kind of the gist. I get that because uh-huh. you have to remove, you have to remove some things, uh, from your life. You have to remove, because if you want to be in a studio all day, it means that you can't be having, um, lunch with your friends or watching soap operas. Like if you want to be in the studio working, you can't, um, you know, just exercise for four hours every day and be indulgent with that. Or you can't, uh, you know, you have to say no to something. Well, it's true. So if you, you consider a balanced life or a balanced day, if a balanced day to you looks like time in the studio, uh, time with friends, exercise, a long bath. You're not, if, if, if your priority is time in the studio, that's cut way short by all of those other things. Um, yeah. Well, in that class that I took, um, that was like a 30 day kind of reflection on your, on your work, you know, on, on, on your, it was on balance versus flow, basically how to get flow in your life. There was all these exercises, 
But what I realized for me, it kind of addressed how your habits are, like how, um, again, I am totally paraphrasing this whole workshop. It's, it was much more than this. But for me, what I, what I took away and what I could take away in a busy month of August where I, I didn't think I even had time to take this class, um, I realized that I was on social media way too much in the morning. I realized that my mornings were my magic hours, you know, and I already kind of knew that, but it was a way to kind of intentionally look at my mornings and mm-hmm. go, your magic hours are from seven to 12. Work your ass off <laughs> for those five hours because I was kind of working all day and feeling like halfway, you know, just everything was scattered and I didn't feel like I was producing any one thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, so by because you were just spread too thin, you were giving a little attention to a lot of things. Yeah, and it was also like, how are you treating yourself to create flow? Like, what I what I wrote down and what I needed, and at the end of that class was that I need to eat breakfast in the morning, no matter what. Mm-hmm. That needs to be kind of a non-negotiable. Um, I'm sure most people do it, but for me, I had to make myself do it like this morning. I did it before I'm starting to record with you. We start recording around seven ish in the morning on my time. And, um, if I don't do it, we're on the phone for a few hours here. I start working on other things and then all of a sudden it's noon and I am cranky and hangry and just it. So my flow, it, it's, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't, mm-hmm. I can't, it's not sustainable. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not, um, it doesn't grow. And so by learning a few things, you know, to honor myself a little bit, I guess is how I could do it. It's like, you know what works best. You know your morning or your magic hours. That's when your flow can happen. Focus, t- quit checking Facebook, get off of Instagram, just mm-hmm. focus. And, and so one Sunday I just did that. I got up and did exactly what I'm telling you right now. And I only did it for three hours because I thought I need to bust out three things and I want to do this in three hours and I want to be done with this and not think about it because otherwise it stays with me all week. Mm-hmm. That felt like flow, even though it was tiny, even though it was like a packed three hour um, session, I was in the groove. I was kind of just in this moment and I was going. I want that. I think we're going to talk about it in a bigger practice, but for me, it was like I needed a baby step a little bit to show me like how I was wasting my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the whole idea of it made me even think about um, my sobriety and recovery journey. Um, you know, in the beginning, I was almost down. I mean, I've talked about this before, but I kind of had the pink cloud experience right away. And, um, I was just downright excited about all the things I was reading and learning and I couldn't get enough podcasts and I couldn't get enough books and I couldn't talk about it enough. And, uh, it felt so good. It felt like a flow. It really did couldn't wake up, couldn't wait to wake up every morning, hangover free, jump to my coffee pot. I'm, I just, I was in such a flow with recovery, but then there have been times where, um, it's gotten, I felt a little complacent, um, because I'm possibly not giving it enough attention. And, um, 
you know, and it's felt a little boring or flat or meh, you know, all the words. Mm-hmm. And um, that those times always feel in recovery, those times always feel a little dangerous to me because I know that my tendency is that, um, you know, if that goes for too long, I just want to blow shit up. Like I want to blow something <laughs> up, like get in trouble somehow. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm just visualizing you right now blowing <laughs> shit up. Go ahead. <laughs> just get, just act out, you know, just get in trouble somehow yeah. because that's, that's how I've always been. And, um, so I really have to, um, you know, continue to stay, continue to work my recovery, you know, and, and, that looks different now than it did in the very beginning of my sobriety. For sure. I have to change things up a lot. I do. I like newness. I like discovery. Um, but I have to real be really conscientious of that. And again, you know, just reading, like reading that article and have that explained. Um, it's so true when I, when I apply the same concept to my recovery. I think um, when you said blowing shit up, I was picturing you with like all these vintage um, scarves and your, and your shop and like you're out in front of your studio, like, like exploding with scarves. That's what I was just like, Sandra's blowing shit up. I want that to be like an emoji or like a gift. No, it would be, it would be something like just, I know. Worse. Maybe more subtle, but worse mm-hmm. in the long run. You know, like yeah. just sending some, you know, direct message that I shouldn't be sending or, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> Getting, I can um, give, give many examples. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I know. I, yeah, I get what you mean. I was, uh, I just needed a visual for it. Um. So for me, so yeah, for me, the concept of blowing shit up is, um, this kind of all or nothing mentality that I have. See, I'm not going to mildly do something. I, I tend to go for the big, you know, the big bang, the big scarf um, throwing, I guess. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's, um, but, and, and that idea of all or nothing has been kind of a story I've been telling myself my whole life that that's how I am. And even like talking about it right now, or when I was preparing for the show, I was thinking like, that's just a story, Tammy. Like you keep saying you're all or nothing. If you keep saying that, then yeah, okay. Then that's how it is. You've, you've put some parameters around yourself. Um, but when I stopped, when I stopped drinking, my sweet friend and I would go on walks. We were training for these big hikes and I was telling her I just written about. So I was about five months sober. So it was early sobriety, and I was five months sober. And I had written a blog post about, you know, how I was an all or nothing gal, and and you know how I was troubled by that, and how I felt like, um, you know, maybe it was the same thing, being all or nothing. You know, the concept of it. So here I am abstaining from alcohol, and and here and also know that I know that this is justifying that I want to drink at the same time because I'm just pondering all of that. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm nothing right now, so how, maybe that's not any different than being all in, and that's not any different than, you know, being an extremist. 
Mm-hmm. But actually it was because I wasn't hungover all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, there was some added benefits to this kind of nothingness that I was, uh, that I was participating in, that I was striving to have in my life in terms of like removing alcohol. But so I, I was thinking like, if you, if you're all or nothing, it leaves no room, just no room for me to land safely in the middle. Like, there's a lot of middle area, right? And and, right. and how come if I, I'm either all in or I'm all out? And for me, I felt like I needed to find some common ground. I felt like I needed balance. I needed mm-hmm. to be able to balance my drinking is where I was headed with all of this. Oh, right. And, and I think that thought in early sobriety, I'm sure I am not alone in thinking that. I kept feeling like, why can't I be a balanced drinker? Why can't I moderate? Why can't Oh, I- forever, I thought. Oh. Yeah. Like that is, that's what's going on in our head. Right. And, but that, that kept my brain so occupied that I couldn't do anything about my drinking because I'm just playing that game where I'm bouncing back and forth, you know, Oh, I'll have a water in between and I'll, you know, I'll tell my husband not to get me, you know, don't let me have another glass of wine. Like he was like the boss of me, which I did not like when I was drinking yet. I was making him the boss knowing full well, I'm going to reject him being the boss. Um, he, he didn't need to moderate or count my drinks for me. He didn't, you know, he, that wasn't his job. No. That was my job. But yeah. it's like, I wanted to outsource it because I was so freaking tired of doing it. And that was from years of trying to moderate and balance. So balance for me, I kind of have a, a visceral reaction now to that idea. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until you sent that article that I was like, bingo. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is where we're going. But let me, to tie up this, I just, I wanted to say that when I went on this walk with my friend, she just listened to me. She's a really good soul. And she just very quietly said like, well, do you realize that you have balance now, Tammy? You have it? And I was like, no, no, you're not, you didn't hear me. (laughs) And I'm just spewing all this stuff because I'm in early sobriety and talking a ton and she was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. You, by removing alcohol, you actually have balance in your life now. Do you see how you've restored the order? Mm, and of course right. I, I didn't see it for a second and I would keep walking. I'm like, no, I, I, no, I, I'm just telling you I'm all or nothing. I'm just telling you the story. I'm telling her the story. Like I'm telling you guys right now. And she just kind of stops on the trail and she was like, you don't need to be a balanced drinker to be a balanced person. You just don't period. Mm, that's good. And I thought it just like hit me like a ton of bricks right then. I was like, huh? And she was like, you don't have to drink. It doesn't serve you. She's like, I mean, I guess you can drink if you want to, but you don't need to drink to find balance. She's like, I think you found it once you stopped drinking. Don't, wouldn't you say that? She's like, you found it with your family. You found it with school. You found it with your health. She's like, don't you see that you don't have to balance alcohol? And you can just you know, continue on as you are and leave alcohol behind and remove it from your life. And now you have balance. And... It, 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 it was like she just hit me over the head. And I was like, I don't need to drink. I, she's right. Order is, things are leveling out in my life because I'm paying the bills on time. I Well, you remove the chaos when you remove the alcohol. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I could finally 
I could finally look at balance in a different way. That it, it isn't something that I don't want. It's not that I don't want balance, but I was I was looking at it so myopically, you know, looking like, oh, I need to be a balanced drinker. I need to balance that. I need to, you know, tackle that so I can be like everyone else. Well, no, I don't know what everybody else is like. And they might be battling it just as hard as I am. I have no clue. But I know for me, like to try to be a balanced drinker was a dead end street. <laughs> that was not the way. Is not good for me. Oh no. I, I couldn't I could never figure out that was like a Rubik's cube I could never solve. I could I I don't even I did really didn't even welcome the word moderation actually. And I just thought I something was wrong with me as a drinker. <laughs> like I just couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't, I couldn't solve the cube. <laughs> I just couldn't. And I lamented over that. And, um, because I, you know, I would always go in with the intention of, of, of not screwing it up that time. And my behavior never matched my intentions mm. after one drink yeah. ever, never, ever. So if I even had a, plan or some some idea of a plan I could I never could never ever follow through with it ever um so I think just taking alcohol off the table I couldn't even I couldn't I wouldn't be able to even have this conversation about balance and flow without (laughs) if I were still drinking my life was just too chaotic and uh yeah I, 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 so the farther I get away from when I was drinking, it's, um, it's like I do forget some of these things. It wasn't until I went back and looked at some of my writing from early sobriety to kind of remind myself um, how far I've come. I think that's what's good about writing, too, for me, that I can go back and think, wow, I, I have shifted. I have changed. Um, and that, you know, I operated one way for decades right Mm -hmm. it takes time you know by subtracting the social drinking subtracting um hangovers and foggy day afters and um you know a kind of story that had been looping um you know all my late night uh, emotions and got everything that by removing all of that you know i also added in a lot of things to help balance that out whether I knew that or not as a concept, you know, healthier things, healthier hobbies and exercising and, and, and going back to school, my mental focus, I, I was doing those things without knowing I was doing those things. I knew I needed to do those things once I quit drinking. I knew I needed to fill that time in a different way. So it's like it was almost innate. It was like automatic that I started doing that when I quit. Um, without really knowing that that was the goal or what, you know, you're reordering your life, you're recalibrating yourself. And, um, so in that way, I guess I, I can agree that I do need some balance. You know, I need to balance out some bad habits with some good habits. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, even saying good and bad, we, we interviewed Liv, um, last week and she was saying, instead of saying good or bad, you know, talk about living well. Right, right. Instead of putting a value on it, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
so yeah, to live well now is to be a little more balanced, well, to be a lot more balanced for me. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because transitions are supposed to happen. I mean, that is part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, transitioning from being a drinker to a non-drinker. That, that was, that, that was a huge, huge transition. And even though, you know, I did say earlier that, you know, there were a lot of exciting times. There certainly wasn't every day. I mean, there were many, many very, very uncomfortable times, many times where, um, you know, I just had to learn how to sit with the discomfort. Um, because, you know, there's just something about, we just want to get on with it. Like I, I want to be the person I'm going to be six months from now already. And, you know, (laughs) and you can't, and you can't. can't. The longer I'm in recovery or the longer I'm not drinking, um, I'm not trying to hurry things as much as I was in early sobriety. Right. True. Same here. Waiting for it now. I'm like, wait for it. (laughs) More will be revealed. That whole thing, that, that phrase speaks to me because it's just about patience. And that's something I have to work on every single day. Especially, you know, when I go to my 12 step meetings, that is what I work on in there. Um, having patience with others, having patience with myself, you know, that is something. Oh, yeah, that's a work in progress. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you don't mind, I want to talk a tiny bit more about moderation because I did have a big epiphany when I had listened to the home podcast with Laura and Holly when they interviewed Annie Grace. Mm-hmm. And she is the author of. What is she the author? The Snake in Mind. Thank you. Just left me. Um, she made a really big impression. Can you tell? I just blinked. <laughs> <laughs> But when she was on their podcast, um, I had to pull over the car and get out my notebook and write down, you know, what she said. And Annie, she said she talked about that there was this mental anguish of moderation. Oh, yeah. And as soon as I heard her say it that way, you know, those four little words, the mental anguish of moderation, I was like, that's what's been happening for me for so long that I didn't even realize that I needed to stop drinking, you know, before I even had a realization like, am I drinking too much? Am I, this is a problem. I was trying to moderate and it caused me a great deal of mental energy and, and time and, um, reflection that I would stuff down. I wouldn't think about it for too long, but it would keep popping up for sure. And I just knew that I could not moderate or balance my drinking because I tried you know, and I think that's what really scared me when I knew, oh, shoot, I can't, I can't moderate this. I'm trying every trick in the book and I can't, you know, I can't do it. So when I try to moderate, I know that I want to do the opposite. <laughs> that's what was happening for a long time before I quit. You know, I'd say, oh, I'm going to only have three drinks tonight, which I think is a lot now when I say that. Mm. You know, for me, I, I was drinking, yeah, I was drinking doubles at the end. So that's really was like six drinks, but three for me, for somehow it flipped a switch on my third. That's when I changed. That's when I knew I, there was like a point of no return for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, ne- I always, never wanted just one. I could never have oh, just no. two, 
I would rather have nothing weird. than one. I would if yeah. if one was the option, I'd just have a Coke. <laughs> Right, because all or nothing, right? Like you exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think so. That was it. I just wanted. I I felt like moderation was just a little bit of um. Even though no one was telling me what to do, it was even me telling me what to do that I couldn't have something that I just. uh, It seemed boring. Who wants to moderate? Why is everybody only? Why are their wine still in their glasses when they walk away from the table? Like how boring are they? I had so much judgment about it. But when she said it was like the mental anguish of moderation, that those mental anguish, those those two words specifically was like, that is what I've been feeling for mm-hmm. all of these years. Someone finally put just a couple words to it that it just, it was anguish and it, and it lasted throughout the day and in the morning with my hangover and even the anguish before I started drinking again in the afternoon, like, oh, I said I wasn't going to drink today, but yeah. It's four o'clock, so basically, you know, I didn't make that happen. It's just four o'clock. It happens every day. That's mm-hmm. when I drink. So I'm like, I had to, I could not moderate. And I think that that's um, in sobriety or in recovery. I liken that moderation feeling with a lot of other things that I work on that I don't need to dive into in this conversation. But it's, um, it's uh, procrastination is the same for, thing for me as, um, mm-hmm. as, as the concept of moderation when I try to moderate I get these feelings when I when I procrastinate I get the same feelings and so it's Mm -hmm. great that I can kind of tap into what those feelings were like when I was drinking and help me with some things that I'm kind of still um you know in my emotional sobriety that I'm trying to work on um that's a long-winded chit-chat about moderation but (laughs) There is no, fun no, for, no fun for me. At all. Oh no, no. I, I don't know if it's, I mean, I guess it's fun for people that don't have a, that aren't addicted to alcohol. They don't have a, a problem with alcohol. I guess that, you know, um, it's just a not moderation does not cause them anguish at all. Well, they're just living it, right? Like Be, they just right. are, they just, they don't even have yeah. to think about it. It's just, no. No, but when you have but, trouble with alcohol, yeah, it's, a, it's yeah, a I yeah, I've always said that it just it all of the the thoughts of that rented so much space in my head that I'm surprised I could think about anything else. Mm. It just consumed most of my most of my thoughts and, um, yeah. It was never, it, it, it never worked. And then it, and then it caused, and then it just caused more misery because, um, because it, because it never, because it was always a failed attempt. It was always a failed attempt. (laughs) And then I thought, I just can't drink right. I just can't do it right. And, and then it just always resulted in misery. Yeah. I, I felt like, um, my husband could do it. My, you know, or, or I would even just think like, well, my other friends, you know, drink, I drink just the same amount as they do. Like, how come they can handle it? And I can't handle it. Oh, I always thought that too. Yeah. Why are they, why, why am I miserable? And they aren't, they're, they're carrying on. They're having a great time and I am miserable because I am consumed with thoughts of I'm not moderating correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, they had a secret or they had the answer or, and who even knows, right? I don't know what they felt. About. Oh no, Nobody I don't know. I that was, that's projecting. <laughs> totally. That's complete, completely projecting, but yes. Yeah. But- I went to um, my book club last night and I've shared on the podcast before I started this book club 11 years ago as kind of like a drunk club. Basically I wanted to drink with, um, outside of, I, since I owned an establishment that served wine all day, I needed to find a place outside of that establishment to keep drinking wine and socializing where I didn't have to quote unquote work. So I created a book club <laughs> and I had some really dark times in that book club and, um, overdrank for sure. Every book club, basically it was like a, it, it's like that was the day, one day of the month that you were going to get just stupid um, I would drive, I would embarrass myself, I would f- have to apologize for things the next day that I said. Um, it was awful. And so I went last night, and the book that we read um, was The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane by Lisa C. And it was a beautiful book. And my friend who hosted it is, is another lady in book club that is a Kundalini instructor now. And she went to the city and got all of this information on. Is it pur tea, pu'er tea, um, Chinese tea, very special, very um, expensive, <laughs> very uh, sought after. And she did this whole beautiful themed dinner and had these little tiny, tiny cups for tea. That was the focus of the night. I was in heaven. <laughs> I was so happy because that balanced out how... Wine is the focus at, at, at most of the book clubs. Everybody brings a bottle. Everybody drinks a bottle. So when I, I can't do that now, <laughs> you know? So the balance for last night, I was thinking about this show and just thinking about how that shifted last night. Like there was still a little bit of wine and people weren't getting crazy, but mostly, you know, because she added in this other beautiful component that was an option, I felt way more comfortable. I enjoyed it. Um, I think ev- everybody enjoyed it. And I didn't have to, uh, you know, count everybody's drinks last night. I didn't. I was right. focused on something else, <laughs> <laughs> which I still do count people's drinks if I'm right there and I'm anxious and nervous. I do. I do. Mm. Not over that. But <laughs> do you want to talk about like, um, like the studio and flow and how that works? Or do you have any? I, I have a little something, but I've been chatting a lot, so I want when you well, you go, you go ahead, you go ahead and I'll, I'll follow up. Okay. So I was going to share an, um, about how Liz Gilbert talks about the muse. Um, right. In relation to creativity. And, um, I think this all relates to flow and that in her book, big magic. And, um, sometimes how we need to listen to that muse, like when she comes to visit and how she gave that really great story about, the story that she had, and then she kind of put it aside, and then Ann Patchett mm-hmm. had the same story, and Ann Patchett ran with it and published this book, and then Liz Gilbert was like, that was the book I was starting to write. But she set it down, so I'm paraphrasing that story. Mm-hmm. But basically, I think that just the gist of it is, is that getting in the zone, right? And right. you kind of have to ignore everything else. You kind of get out of balance. But I think that's like a beautiful invitation when that happens, and it Oh, for sure. Always happen, you know. I'm when it when you're in it for a minute. I don't even know that I'm in it, like for a day or two, and then I'll go. Oh, this is. I gotta just keep doing what I'm doing. I gotta keep revisiting that muse. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, yeah, I felt that many times over the summer. Um, and I had a goal. You know, I think uh, sometimes are sometimes some of us are motivated by outside incentive, and um, I, I had a goal. And uh, yeah, there were many times when I went out to my studio and just got completely in the flow. Um, and yes, I I, I could go, you know, sometimes I would, it would be noon and I'd realize that I hadn't brushed my teeth yet. <laughs> yes. yes. I know, I know of what you speak. <laughs> and I didn't even want to stop to go in the house and brush my teeth and, you know, or go check on my kids. My kids are fine. Don't call CPS. They're, they're I, my studio is only in the yard and they're 14 and almost nine. But, um, yeah, there were many times where I, you know, I would even just text my son from the backyard and say, come out here if you guys need me because I'm, I'm, I'm in it. And it feels really good. It feels, um, I, yeah, it feels I, I am easily distracted. I, I really am. Um, and there's something about, so when I'm writing, writing is hard for me because, um, I can easily get, a, get distracted mm-hmm. when I'm in on my computer, um, just because there's so many tabs to open <laughs> mm-hmm. and I find that I will, you know, get more well and just being in the house you know if there's dishes in the sink or um you know the the laundry finishes or I can easily get distracted but when I remove myself from from my domestic place and go out into my studio that is easier for me to get get in that zone yeah, yeah. It's like a so I feel very, state. <laughs> yeah, I feel very lucky that I have a studio. And sometimes when I'm writing, uh, when I'm really intensely wanting to finish something, um, or I might even have like some research to do, um, going to the library really helps me because then I, I will be less distracted there and I can you know, get in the zone again. And, you know, and it's that, it's that beautiful feeling when you look up and three hours have passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And you didn't even, it didn't, it didn't even, you didn't even feel the minute slipping away. No, no, there's a kind of a magic quality to it that, um, well, you're doing the thing that you mo- are most passionate about, like, and that it feels it doesn't feel like work. Right. right. It is for sure. It is, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. It's like you are accepting the invitation. You are gladly, um, sitting out there for three hours and you're in your head and you're producing work that you're proud of, or that makes you feel good or that you've just gotten it out of you. Sometimes I just need those things out. It's not that I publish them. I can just barf it onto a page <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I can go on with my day, right? That's the concept I know behind morning pages too, right? You get your three morning pages that you handwrite out, 
For some reason, I can't, not that I can't, I have not embraced that practice of the handwritten word. Even though I love handwriting and I like correspondence and I like the written word, I have a hard time writing my words down um, to get them out of me. Maybe that would be something to, to practice. But um, the flow of the studio, like that, that dedicated space, and again, not everybody has it, but getting into, I think that's where practice and ritual and routine um, came into play for me. Because I didn't always have this little studio. This was my son's playhouse. And I used to just sit at the kitchen table and do my lists or do my art. And I'd leave a mess everywhere. And I felt like I didn't have privacy. I started creating or craving um, a creative space. I, mm-hmm. I needed to go create that so I house all my son's art supplies, and he's older now, so he's, he doesn't need a playhouse. Our house is tiny, so this, this building is both of ours. He doesn't work in it as much as I do, so I've kind of taken it over. But it is my happy place. It is where, when I get in there, um, yeah, time, time just kind of um, just disappears. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, not everybody... Um... And, and not everyone's life or space can afford a whole studio, but I think you can section off places in your house that that feel that they ha- they that have the same feel. Yeah, in my kitchen, what I did, Sandra, I would I would just leave a jar of pens. I'd have a pencil case, and in my little um, buffet where I keep all my um, bowls and placemats, I just had a shelf for my notebooks. That was it. And every morning they were easy for me because I knew if I if they weren't easy to get to, I wasn't going to do it. Oh, I know. I say that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I say that to uh, people all the time who want to sew. They wish they would sew every day. I said I always say, well, you have to. Where's your sewing machine? Oh, well, it's in a box and it's wrapped up and it's at the top of the closet. (laughs) Yeah. I always say, well, that's why you don't, that's why you don't sew every day because you, it's too hard to get out your sewing machine every day. And then you feel like you need to put it away. You may need to make it easier for you to get to it. And then you'll probably sew every day. Um, yeah. And I'm such a visual person too, that a lot of things, uh, I need to have kind of out where I can see them. And so, I'm not a minimalist by any stretch of the imagination. I, I prefer, I'm a maximalist (laughs) (laughs) and I am starting that trend. If anyone wants to join me, (laughs) I I know a few people who will join you. (laughs) I am a maximalist. I like to see, and I, and I, and I think it's important for my kids too they won't make art um, if the art supplies are hard to get to yeah. yep. or if they feel like um, I'm going to be upset over a mess or so our art supplies are easily accessible. Yeah. Anyone can grab paper markers, paints. They're all, and I'm not saying they're all just on our living room table, but sometimes they are and they're very easily accessible. Yeah. For the years when Grady was, oh gosh, yeah. Five to yeah, maybe even 11, five to 11. They were just, they were 
they're right there so that he could grab them. Um, and then when, when I did carve out the space for the studio, um, the idea was that he could go in there. He recently, he's taking visual arts in high school and he's doing some projects and he spent some time out there again, which is nice to see him out there because everything's out there that he, that he could possibly need. You know, it's all within his reach. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to encourage him, like, just go, just go listen to some music. Just go out there. You don't know what's going to happen when you just sit, get your butt in the chair and when you kind of go, okay, I'm in the studio. Sometimes I just tidy the studio. And my art professor was telling me that that's how, you know, speaking of flow, that's, that's, how, that's how a lot of artists do it. They just go start tinkering, tidying, mm -hmm. moving things around, and then you'll find some old work or you'll find an article that you, you know, stuck on a, you know, a clipboard or something. You know, oh, I never read that. I meant to read that. You, it just like being in the space of it all too, for me, helps kind of create a flow. Yeah. Being in the space, like just being able to see it all. Mm-hmm and see what your options are because yeah really I have about a billion ideas that I want to do and I can only mm. execute a few of them right but I have so many ideas there's like not enough hours in the day and to kind of execute all of those sometimes that can be overwhelming which is why I do make my lists because I do get overwhelmed I'm like I want to do so many things but I know I can't do everything mm -hmm. I can only do it only do one thing at a time, but in that, but creating a space, creating a place where that kind of fuels my creativity and my desire to create, you know, it all kind of multiplies and it just, it, um, being in that zone when I come out of there and it usually for me, I've noticed over the summer, it was like, an, it would be in like two week stints where I'd be really into something. Yeah. And I'd come out of the studio and I'd be like, I'm so happy. And I would say that. Mm -hmm. I would normally say that to Steve. Yep. I had such a good day. I am so happy. I was so productive. I'm way ahead of the game. I'm tackling my procrastination. I'm ahead on the series that I'm working on. Like I felt so good that that would spill into my mood at home while I'm making dinner or while I'm doing other things, you know. Um, I think sometimes I get can get myopic and just want to be in the studio mm -hmm. and that the rest of the housework falls away. That Everything will fall apart. Same here. Same here. Yeah, my, my husband, husband <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I don't have any shirts, even though he, he can perfectly wash a load of laundry. Yes. But, you know, he... I just do it. So then, you know, if somebody else is doing it, then you just kind of forget that, you know, right. and you just sort of expect that there's going to be clean shirts hanging in the closets. My husband was like, are you going to grocery shop? And I'm like, what am I, your 1950s housewife? And he was like, um, no, that's just kind of our deal. Like, that's just what yeah, you do because is. we have yeah. a social contract with each other that I, yeah. you know, he'll do laundry and I'll be like, what are you doing? That's my job. Right. Because I take my jobs very seriously around here, except yeah. for when I'm in the flow in the exactly. studio. Mm -hmm. Same. So everything else kind of does fall to the wayside. And my husband's always like, I don't, he, he doesn't maybe um, understand what's happening in there, you know? So I need to be better at maybe just verbalizing like that I'm in this zone. Mm -hmm. and, and if you stop it, I did try to explain it to him briefly this morning when, when before we were doing the show, like, when I'm in it, I'm in it. And, but he mm -hmm. asked me, he's like, is, he asked me, is flow sustainable? If what you're telling me that this is your flow and that this is your zone and this is what you get in, is it sustainable without balance? 
And I was like, I'm going to need to think about that. I think I'll talk to Sandra about that. I think in chunks it is, you know, I think in, I mean, I think when you just said, you know, after about two weeks, then I sort of have to tend to other things for a little while. And that's how I feel too. And maybe that's, you know, at the end of the summer, that's exactly what happened. You know, it's like, I need to kind of, you know, tend to my nest a little bit. Um, uh, but it's still, and and it was necessary. It needed to happen. That's life. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, it didn't, I wasn't experiencing that exuberance that I had felt when I was really intensely in the zone. It's like you come down, you're coming down from a high too. Mm-hmm. You know, which, yeah. Um, again, if I'm going to believe the story of all or nothing, um, it serves me in creativity sometimes to be all or nothing. Like, I think that's true for me. I think, mm-hmm. um, I want to be all in and it, it satisfies me in a way that I, I'm not, I don't know that I have that satisfaction with a whole lot of other things. Um, I agree. Other than maybe, you know, you see your children do great things or whatever. Sure. Yeah. But, but I mean, just for something that I, my own doing that, that there's a satisfaction that comes from being in there and being in that place that really, um, I think helps me with my sobriety and my recovery. I think it helps give me self-worth. It, for sure. It's a, it's a, what do they say? That's a uh, radical self-care I think is time in the studio for me. Mm-hmm. And I know when I'm a little wonky, I've had a rough week this week at school and some challenges with what, you know, things that I don't know and fear around some things. I know what I needed to do. I was like, I need to get in my studio. I already know the mm-hmm. answer. Why am I? It's like, I, it's like I kind of, <laughs> um, struggle for a bit until I go, Oh yeah, I have, I have a tool for this. I mm-hmm. can actually go do something. I can actually go draw circles because that calms me down. <laughs> as silly as mm-hmm. that sounds, maybe. It's like when I do that, when I paint, when I draw, when I, get, when I just go do that, I can disconnect. And for me, that can help other things flow from that act. You know, I can go back in and pay the bills and plan dinner and do all of those boring things. <laughs> that, that I would much rather be in my studio, but yeah, I know we need to eat. I need that the electricity needs to be on. I know I have other obligations. So I guess if I'm kind of stepping back from it, like the balance is created when I have the best of both worlds, you know, mm-hmm. when I have the flow and when I have a little bit of, um, when I have that, I guess that's like when we're removing alcohol, right? So when I said, when I removed alcohol or my friend said, when you remove it, you have the balance. Mm-hmm. When I have flow in the studio or when I have flow with creative endeavors for me, that gives me balance in the rest of my life. Because it energizes you, right? Yeah. yeah. You feel jazzed almost, accomplished, and um, and then it gives you energy to tackle the tedium. That is spot on. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of just looking at, I'm just looking out my window right now going, that that is, I can I can think about it like that. That is the... Removing alcohol from my life gave me balance. Mm-hmm. Add, adding in this passion that I have for drawing and writing and this creative outlet is giving me balance too. Because otherwise, I would just be boring. <laughs> I would 
be just I would I would be going through the motions of life and I don't think that I would be very satisfied and I think that I would probably hold some grudges and, and feel small like life would feel small that's another thing too yeah it just life feels so much bigger when I'm all in engaged and yeah and something that I'm passionate about yeah it, it just opens it 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 just enlarges my life and, and when I quit drinking, and like I think probably some people who are listening that maybe might be, you know, either thinking about quitting drinking or at the beginning of their journey, like, I remember the feeling of like, what am I going to do with all this time? And, and so you have this hole from all the drinking, the thinking about drinking, the shopping for the drinking, the people having people over so you could drink some more, going out, all of those things that that are now just have shifted and changed and either gone away or, or been greatly reduced. You have this hole, this pocket of time in your, in your life now that I highly encourage people to find something that they're really passionate about. And it does not have to be that you paint or that you sew. It could be cooking. It could be draw. I mean, we have people in our circles that I've seen that have taken on doodling like with a with such passion and vigor and it's it, they're creating art now and mm-hmm. people that are, are are cooking i mean we just talked to live last week and talked about you know she's a prolific writer and how she's kind of created a, this whole life for herself um and a blog and a career based on what she really is passionate about i think finding a passion is really important in sobriety i think so and you know and i think it um it can change your life and it really, it doesn't have to be passion. Like this is going to change the world passion. This is going to be so monumental or you're going to, you know, get famous on Instagram or whatever, not that kind of passion, Mm -hmm. but just something that gets you into a zone and into a flow where you, um, where the distra- distractions melt away, your your distracting thoughts start to melt away. Um, you're you're not watching the clock tick yeah. by yeah. in early sobriety. Um, so it doesn't have to be a passion with a capital P. Yeah. It can just be a coloring book. Yeah, or, yeah, any um, cooking, listening to podcasts while you walk your neighborhood. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just, and, and when you, I think how you can listen to that too, like, I'm really glad I listened to that small voice, that that small voice inside of me that was, like, when things were changing was the year, it was the whole year before I quit drinking. And that voice just kept getting louder and louder that I couldn't, you know, not listen to her. I could not ignore her anymore. I had to finally be like, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll buy more pens. All right, I'll buy more, I'll buy my supplies to, to see where this is going, to see. Because um, something was, I felt compelled to draw every single day. And I'm really glad I listened to that. I'm really glad I listened to that because that was an outlet because I think if I hadn't found a passion or if I hadn't gone back to school, I would have had way too much time on my hands 
And I would have probably talked myself in, you know, to drinking again. Mm -hmm. I was trying to do that at my seven month mark. I was trying to, um, to figure a way back in to, yeah. into the scene. Yeah. And, um, luckily a friend reached out, you know, and told me about meetings and, and going to 12 step meetings. And that was like a, a gift. I've never seen that friend. It was just a message, you know, haven't seen her in years. Um, but I was really glad that she, she read a piece that I wrote and then that she reached out because I needed me, I needed, I needed a few things in my life to help support all that new free time. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just that the creative, uh, that I have a little studio and that's the magic. And now I don't drink anymore that I don't want, I don't want to make it sound so simplistic, but like you just pour yourself into the page. No, it was a lot of other work on top of that. But since we're talking about today is balance and flow and around creativity, but, um, I had to have some balance with, you know, some spiritual, um, teachings in my life too. And I never had those, you know, I never wanted those. I never accepted those. So by accepting some of those things too, it's like, it's all part of an equation. And the part that we're talking about today is definitely, you know, creative part, but we know that it's just more than that too. I don't want to oversimplify it. Like, no, no. And I think there's, I think there's something to be said. In fact, I've been working on this writing piece forever, um, about, finding spirit in your art and finding God in art. And, um, so, but that, that could be a whole, whole nother podcast, but, but you're right. I mean, there are, you know, you have to tend to your body and your spirit and, um, the whole package and early sobriety for sure. It's certainly not just, you know, I stopped drinking and I'm, and, and now I just want to make art all the time. It's not that simple of a transition. Yeah. Well, then that's where the balance comes in because you are balancing it out with some other things, right? You are, um, it's, it's, it's kind of a romanticized idea that I can just go out to my studio and quote unquote flow, right? Like that, uh, it happens. It's not that it doesn't happen, but it, I need the balance in my life in other ways so that I can go out there and do that. And that for me is like taking care of my home and being a homemaker. Like that brings me a great amount of um, stability and balance and, and um, tending to things and paying my bills. Uh, I keep saying that because I used to put that off so much and it would create this unmanageability in my life. Mm-hmm. My brain was always juggling and I was always thinking what I needed to do. And then I felt like I was getting away with something, which I wasn't. Um, but if I, so, so the balance of the spiritual component and our home lives and um, taking care of yourself with exercise and, you know, I take my supplements, you know, there's all these things mm-hmm. that I do that I guess as we're talking about this today, and I was thinking about this over the, over this week as preparing for this show, it's like, it's even just coming to me now. Like there's many things I do to create this container, right. For my life. And, and maybe I can't have flow without all of those other things. True. You know, so I need, that's I need, a good I point. Kind of, the, kind of like the fencing, the, the, the perimeter needs to be really secure and kind of in place. And then in the middle of the container, it can all flow in fits and starts and when it needs to, but it's because I've created this like really, um, secure life. Right. And that, that, 
that allows for the flow to happen. Yeah. And I didn't have yeah. that before. No. Mm-mm. And chaos is a great word when you used that earlier, Sandra. That's a great... Because I don't even know that when chaos is happening that others know it. It's it's a lot in my mind that there was the chaos. Oh, for sure. And, and really that just equaled my life. Like I, I didn't know there was a, there, I didn't know that there was a way that there was a, li- a way to live without it. It was so ingrained in my, in my life I had made, it was so hard. I had made life so hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and that even felt like that's like how it had to be. But with, again, with drinking, no. everything was just skewed. Everything, my, my thought process was um it was like a little bit of arrested development in that department yeah chaos was the baseline for me Mm -hmm. is what i'm trying to say and so i didn't know the opposite of that at all because i had not experienced it and so um i didn't even know what i was missing (laughs) yeah but when you started knowing it when I started knowing it and had, you know, so I, I think I wrote this on my gratitude list for months and months and months in a row, and I, and I often add it now. I am so grateful when I wake up without a hangover. Um, that will never get old, and I have to remember that because I know different now. You know, now that, when, what is that, Maya Angelou, um, when you know better, you do better, mm-hmm. that quote. So now that I know, I think that's what helped me in early sobriety when I was doing that elimination diet my first eight weeks. That's how I got sober was doing an elimination diet. And I very quickly realized like, oh my God, it feels so good not to wake up with a hangover. Oh, yeah. I could, that's kind of what I held on to in the beginning was that I, that restored a lot of balance to my life. Mm-hmm. That, was mm-hmm. uh, that gave me a different perspective at the start of every day. Like, huh, when you start this way, you can actually finish something or you can actually go sit down at your desk and or you can, the laundry is all done and not forgotten and you're looking for underwear, you know, at six in the morning the next day. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Things were getting completed. Things started to have a little more balance and then therefore our life, I guess, in essence, flowed from that, you know, um, it was, it was small baby steps in the beginning. It definitely wasn't where I'm at now. Where I oh, spend yeah. time in the studio. It was, it was really just sitting down and, and scribbling in a notebook for 15 minutes, um, to center myself, um, for the day. And then you build upon that or I built upon that. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I think we talked about a fair amount. I think we did help somebody and we'd love if you guys want to engage when we post these podcast episodes on our secret Facebook page, which you are welcome to join. By the way, my sister keeps saying, why do you keep calling it secret? Cause it's not, cause she's not on Facebook. <laughs> oh, okay. it doesn't sound like it's secret when you say it. I'm like, uh, it's just private. Nobody else can see it. It's not, it's just our group. Um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I was just thinking, why wouldn't she understand that? Yeah, she's not, well, um, she just got on Facebook, so I added okay. her, and I was like, now you're in. And she's like, I don't know what to do with that. But anyhow, so she, um, but you can join a conversation there. And so when we post these episodes, if you guys want to leave comments underneath the episode and start a bigger conversation where other people are going to weigh in, say what they do, say how they 
you know, just their view of the episode. We would love that kind of dialogue and to create, try to create a community um, from the podcast so that you guys can yeah, kind of support that. each other because I think tribe is really important. And so people can do that there. You can rate us on iTunes and all of that. Um, leave, a, leave a review would be nice. We have like 250 followers on our Instagram account, Sandra. We do? For the show. I haven't looked at that. We do. I have no idea. Yeah. We have like 125 in our secret Facebook group. And we yeah. have 250 on Instagram. And, and like we're not, like I don't even know what that means exactly, other than to create community and to kind of support each other. And it's not that you and I will get to respond to everything every single time because that can be overwhelming um, with all of our social media um, channels, but that other people in the group are wise and lovely and smart and can help each other out. Yeah, we have a lot of just wildly creative people in our Facebook group. So come join if you want to get in and share your creativity. Yeah, and remember, we think everyone is creative. So yeah, you're welcome. Right. Everyone is welcome. There's no, there's no audition. <laughs> Just come on in. <laughs> Although I would like maybe if somebody wants to go dancing. Some maybe when I come to Texas, we can go dancing again. Somewhere. I think we should. I, I, I was texting with Jen, who you did the uh, meetup with at her house with the succubus. Uh-huh. Oh, and yeah. she's going to be one of my ray of lights in the future here. And she was charging some crystals or something with the full moon the other day. And Uh I saw it on Instagram and I was like, yeah, you're going to need to give me a class in that business because I don't (laughs) fully understand that. And she was like, why don't you come to Austin and Sandra can, um, you know, we'll have a workshop and I'll talk about this stuff and you can talk about painting and Sandra can talk about Oh, that'd be fun. Or embroidery. And we'll just have a little, I said, okay, you just... I think she just manifested that, Sandra. Sold. <laughs> oh, yeah, fun. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. I got to just book a ticket, I think. It sounds like. Yeah. All sounds to- like. All the Topo Chico I can drink, and I just I can't wait. She just <laughs> painted me a painting of a Topo Chico bottle and sent oh, it to me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm going to share it within her interview. I'm going to post it within the interview. Okay, so good. It's really great. I love Jen. I know. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so shall we share our, yeah. our unruffled toolbox this week? Yeah, let's share our three things. Yeah. Um, why don't you start? I was having you okay. start. Okay, <laughs> I'll start. So my first one is I have been, I've um, started writing again. That So going back to the whole podcast that we just recorded the whole conversation we just had balance versus flow I was such in a flow with sewing that other things got cast aside things that I am pretty passionate about and I knew they would come back it just wasn't the season for that this summer and um, writing was one of those things and I and I really missed it but it's also one of those things that um you know it it really requires me to to, to dive in and to get into zone. Like I talked about, it's, um, I get distracted very easily because my computer's, you know, just set up in my desk in the middle of my house. And, um, plus just, just writing itself is very hard for me. I mean, I hate to, 
I hate to talk about poop right now, but it's <laughs> do you really like, I do know. you really hate it? I think you like it. <laughs> I hate to talk about it. I hate to use poop metaphors, but Go ahead. I really do. But it's like it's uh, it's like being constipated or it's, or or it's like having a baby. Although I had a C section, but it, it 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 feels like that. It feels like I'm just like pushing something out, and it's so hard. It is so hard. But if I just stick with it and keep pushing, eventually, I will have something on the page. And once it's done, it feels so good. And um, that's exactly how. That's ex- exactly what writing feels like for me. My first one. Your turn. Oh, how do I follow that up? Um, um, I'm going to follow it up without talking about poop is what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to follow that up. Uh, And you know, I, I'm not, nope, I'm not going to talk about it. Um, (laughs) I mean, I guess it could be considered part of what my number one is, my morning routine, if I really want to go there. Which I do not. <laughs> but... You know what? Scheduled in though. It's right on, here my... on the to do list. Oh my. Okay, so for me, I was trying to share some things today that had to do with balance and flow. And it's definitely my morning routine. And I know I've shared this before, but it is so important to centering me, to having a good day. When I do not do my morning routine, my day goes sideways. And I, I, over time, it's taken me a while to kind of pinpoint that, but now I know it is for sure. So my morning routine is really taking care of my skin because I've had some skin issues um, before I stopped drinking and, and since I've quit that I'm addressing. So I really try to take care of my face. I really try to wash it well and use good moisturizer and I go to bed that way, but when I get up, I take care of it as well. I take supplements every single day and I drink a cup of detox tea that I make every single morning. I drink other things after that, but I have, those are my get up and do. And, uh, I, it's not on my list, (laughs) but it's just something that I do. And when I don't do that, when I'm kind of off and running, or if I just run out here to record with you and I haven't done that, I haven't washed my face. I just don't feel right. I just feel off. And I just, um, it takes like five minutes. Yeah. Seven minutes max if I'm waiting for water. I usually turn on the water while I'm going into the bathroom to take care of my face and do the supplements. It's, it's, there's 1,440 minutes in a day, right? Mm-hmm. That takes, you know, five to seven. So I make sure I just do that to start my day that way. Simple, but it's what I do. I like it. I have a morning routine too, although mine um, does not sound as wholesome as yours. <laughs> other things too but that's the basic mine involves coffee okay um so uh my number two is that I'm back in my writing class so that kind of kind of goes with number one but I'm back in my writing class and um I love the social aspect of my writing class I love reading pieces out loud and listening to other people in the class read their pieces out loud and I love um 
positive critiques. I just love the whole thing. And I'm so um, happy to be back in my little writing class. Where do you, how often do you guys meet and, and where? Do you uh, well, it, um, right now it's meeting twice a week Ooh. and yeah. And, um, I just hit one last night that, uh, is not too far from my house. It's in town, but next week I'll, um, probably hit the one that's that happens during the day. It's on a Wednesday from 11 to one and it's out at my friend Spike's ranch. And so it's a pretty drive out there and she has a pretty piece of property and, um, yeah, just really, really, I missed, I missed the class. I miss the people in the class and I miss the whole, the whole process. Um, so anyway, that's it. My running class. I like that. I'm glad you're doing that for yourself. Yeah. That time, you know, that kind of that you're giving to your art too. It's great. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I, I, I would be remiss to say that it's not hard, that it is hard for me to say, no, you guys can find your own shoes, go, you know, make your, you know, get on your homework. Like when I, when I go to the night one, when I leave in the evening and everybody is perfectly capable of taking care of themselves Mm -hmm. for the two hours that I'm gone. But, um, but it, you know, it's, it's hard. I really have to like make myself say, no, this is, this is, this is Sandra time Mm -hmm. and, um, they're fine. Everyone's fine. They're going to be fine. (laughs) I can leave in, in the evening. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad you're doing that because I know um, the pieces that you work on that you eventually post um, and share. I know maybe not all of them, but the ones that you do on Medium, I really enjoy. And I like I like knowing that you're kind of toiling away and that you have community around that too. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah you said it better than me, but yes, I <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and I didn't even talk about poop, but um, <laughs> <anyhow>. <laughs> um, for me... And this, I, I wrote this down and I was like, I hope it doesn't sound too but lofty, but I've noticed this week I had something else down, like a silly thing I was going to share. And I was like, no, I'm actually going to share this because this is part of what keeps me sober. This is what part helps my recovery. And this is, this definitely helps with balance and flow, but it is um, my service work that I do, um, sponsoring some ladies, um, helping others, Um, I realized when I was tackling balance and flow, when I was doing the workshop with Tiffany Hahn, that I had service work scattered all over my calendar. It's like I was meeting everybody else's needs without thinking about the flow of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to try, because I'm a scheduler, I need to schedule a day for service work. So that for me means uh, meetings, uh, meeting somebody after the meetings for coffee, meeting with my sponsees um, on a day of the week to try to get it on one day of the week that I could do that. Because with my schedule, with work and school and things that I'm doing, I can pick a day. So Friday is my day and today is the day. So I'm going to go meet with a sponsee and we're going to go to a new women's meeting, which I'm very excited about. And a few other little things that I don't need to say on the air. And I feel like by trying to, I know that that's not life, that it can't always be on one day because I, the other women have other schedules, but I'm going to try to focus that phone dates, phone calls to support women in recovery. I was doing them all throughout the week. 
I wasn't getting things done or it would interrupt my flow in the student mm-hmm. room. It would mm-hmm. interrupt my life. And so I was thinking, Friday is the day where I'm going to tend to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, answering email questions about things, answering things about my process with art. I, I consider that a bit of a service in a way because I'm just giving that away and trying to help somebody else, right? And um, uh, answering uh, blog comments, answering... Um, tending to Facebook and social media things. I thought Friday is going to be my day because if I'm doing it every single day, I'm, I cannot get in the flow. Mm. So trying to be of service in small ways and in bigger ways, I'm, I'm trying to just pick a day. Well, that's good. I'm not ever going to be that disciplined. Eh, <laughs> don't say never, but maybe. <laughs> well, I'm a work in progress. So I'm just, I feel like it was too all over the map and it depleted me a little bit when it should be, when I know the feeling of service really fills me up. Um, right. Again, not that it was a bad thing. It was just like, I am putting everybody else first and just reacting. Mm-hmm. And I know that from how I used to drink is I used to react to things. I don't want right. to do that in my sobriety where I'm just reacting. Um, I have to have a little bit of boundaries around things. And I think that's just what I'm practicing. Maybe it's just the boundary. Not that it's always going to be Fridays, but that there's a boundary. And I'm trying to, uh, yeah, put a boundary around. Okay. Well, maybe I can learn something from that. (laughs) Mine actually is similar to that, but I, um, this week I have taken in much less social media. Um, last week because of the hurt, because of hurricane Harvey, I was, I, I, I got a lot of social media almost overload and it was, I needed it because, um, I felt really connected it helped me feel connected to what was going on, you know, in my state three hours away from me. Um, I felt like it was a way for me to stay updated and, uh, but it was a lot and it sucked up a lot of time. And so this week I've had a lot, a lot less social media. I've like pulled back a ton. Um, however, um, this kind of echoes what you're, you were talking about. Um, I connection is a priority for me and I, um, I love our little group, our little Facebook group, and it's a priority for me to nurture that, that group and try to check. I try to check in there once a week. It's a priority for me to, um, check in with our gratitude group, which is on Facebook as our Facebook group as well. And even though I don't post every day there, I, some, I try to, but sometimes I forget or I just, I don't know. I'm, I, I do it at night. And so sometimes I'll fall asleep before I, before I make my gratitude list. But, um, <clears throat> but I do always check in and read them every day. And so, and that's really, those are priorities for me. It's really important for me. So anyway, much less social media except for those two things. But that has um, really helped me get back into flow this week for sure. Yeah, I like that. I I took Facebook off my phone as part of my flow exercises um, in that class I was taking. And it's still off. um, And that's been helpful. I haven't felt like I could connect with our gratitude circle as much though now since that's on Facebook. So I've been trying to do that at night before I go to bed as well as part of the, my end of day routine. But, um, yeah, 
Um, my third thing is, I, again, I might have chatted about this before, but it's what's happening this week, and it's something that I realized. Um, it's mini planning. It's having food in the house. Food seems to be this thing for me that if I'm not on top of, we all get kind of cranky. Um, nothing kind of works, right? It's like we're right. missing the oil in the machine. And so it came back from Labor Day. You know, we got home at midnight on Monday, and then Tuesday we're off and running. There's like a heel of bread in the house, some pickles, and um, you know, wasabi. And it's like, okay, what are we gonna make? What do we have to eat? <laughs> oh, and one egg, and like one egg. So I knew I didn't have the time to to menu plan. I didn't have the time to um, anyhow made the time. I was late to the week, but I sat down and did it. And I thought, I don't need to get extravagant. I don't need to find any crazy menus. Or I'm just going to, you know, it's like packaged ravioli from the store. It was um, rice bowls are kind of my go-to in our household. The ahi tuna rice bowls. It's like the easiest thing I can cook. Sear tuna, sushi rice in the rice cooker, edamame. We have dinner. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's one of my things. Um, but I'm finding that, yeah, menu planning has been great. So I'm, I went on Liv Pinelli's uh, website and printed off a few recipes for next week. So they're kind of just waiting. Nice. I went to Shutterbean and printed off a few from her that I have some ideas that I want to make. And I just leave those on the clipboard that I'm putting on a little clipboard in the kitchen underneath my menu for the week. So when I go to sit down and plan this weekend, those are already there and I'll make my shopping list. It's, it's not that complicated. It's, it's. I just have to make a little time for it. And so nice. again, I can just 15 minutes and then you have a list and I, I don't feel like I'm spun out for the rest of the week. So mm -hmm. I, I do, I do that. I do that too. I, I, I usually grab my menu or my recipes off of like Pinterest or mm -hmm. I'll grab a couple of cookbooks or something. But, um, but yeah, I do that too. I'll make a, one shopping list. I, I really, really try to go to the store once a week. Sometimes we, I have a couple of milk drinkers, so that doesn't, we usually have to go back for little things midweek, but I really try to just knock it all out on one trip. Yeah, we live, we live um, in the country, which, so town for us is 20 minutes away to um, the first big town. And while we have a little market here in town, that's kind of for band-aiding things together when you're out of something, but for like a real grocery store trip is town. And as you know this, Sandra, like we're running, we're moms, we're like going all the time. And so, I don't know, now that school's back in, I was like, I need to do this on Sundays and start mm -hmm. so that my week can kind of, and it, so it's work. So I'm, I'm on week three. Um, I know that sometimes this is how the beginning of school year starts with all these really grand, great ideas <laughs> that they kind of, uh, you know, kind of fall away, but we'll see how long this can last. Um, it, the effects have been helping They've spilled into all of the other things, my creative life, my work life, uh, my school life. It's all helped. It's all been helping that. So I agree. Yeah, I, 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 I love waking up Monday morning and opening the refrigerator and it's nice and full and the pantry's nice and full and we've got everything we need for the week. Ugh, such yeah. a good feeling. Yeah, I agree. So that's it. That's how I, how I try to find some balance and flow. <laughs> little things. So I'd be really interested if people have things to share on what they do or any system. Yeah. Kind of like hearing that stuff. I may not do it, but I like to 
read about it and, and just know that other what other people sometimes have these some really good tricks. So if you're if you want yeah. to share, that'd be great. Yeah, I agree. Um, yep. Do you have anything you want to promote, Sandra, or share? Or not? Not really. Um, no, no, I don't really know where I'm going to be when this comes out. Okay. So not, not yet, not right now. Um, yesterday, I put up in my shop in my marketplace uh, a little print. I was getting all. I, I think I shared on the show a couple shows ago that I was going to do something for Hurricane um, Harvey for the relief funds and and. I was going to make some art and put it up in my store. And so I wanted to keep my word. And so that was stressing me out that I wanted to make sure I kept my word. But I was overcomplicating it, Mm -hmm. you know, like I do. And so I decided, I talked to my son, we collaborated on his little poem, and I'm printing them at home on kind of like um, just a, a, what is it, a photo paper um, uh-huh. That looks like a four by six. It's glossy. It's nice. It's simple. So your ten dollar donation for that, you're going to get a little poem on photo paper. It's not going to be an original, um, but the money is all going one hundred percent to the um, to the Together Rising Fund. So nice. It's like you're giving a donation. I'm going to give you. It could use it as a bookmark. Tape it up with washi tape on your refrigerator. Um, I have a friend that just bought one and told me she's just going to put it in a little four. I said, it's not big. And she's like, I don't need a big thing. I just want a little four by six by my front door in a frame. And I'd love, I like that home poem. So that that's up in my shop and I'm going to leave that up there, especially since what's going on in Florida. So who knows? I'm just going to leave yeah. it there and I can use that yeah. poem to donate to different things maybe later on. But for right now, that's what it's earmarked for. And, um, I'm not going to overcomplicate it and put a bunch of other things in there. That's it. That's what's happening. Nice there. Um, so at TammySolace.com, you can find that in the marketplace. And I think that's it, Sandra. Okay, that's it. All right. Thanks for talking about on. this. Thank you. I've got to get, I've got to go jump into the rivers flowing. I need to go jump in. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. Head first. All right. <laughs> you Bye. too. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by NMMD. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designer Chris Aguirre. Thanks for listening.